The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. From the studios of The Shepherd Radio Network, it's Afternoons with Mike. This next hour is all about our walk with Jesus with local pastors, newsmakers, people who are making a difference for the gospel. Now, here is your host, Mike Gilland. Hey friends, welcome back to another edition of Afternoons with Mike, heard here on The Shepherd, across the Shepherd Radio Network. That means Orlando, Ocala, the Villages, heading on into Gainesville. We're so glad to have you along with us. On the line with me today, a young man that I've never met personally, but boy, is he making a difference. His name is Kevin McGarry, one of the leading voices for what we need to know about being woke. And when I, I've read about some of the things that you've written about, Kevin, uh, it's just marvelous. I believe the way you're opening eyes and God's using you in that way. So thank you, first of all, and welcome to my program. Mr. Mike, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, tell me a little bit about yourself. First of all, let's start off with that. What part of the country did you grow up in? So I was born and raised in San Francisco in abject poverty. So uh, Hunter's Point Project Housing, where the Black Panthers actually started in 1960. So I, I grew up in that environment, Was uh, did all of the sort of crazy urban stuff growing up. And uh, then went to San Jose State, but you know, but I stayed in school because my father, even though he was uh, mostly absent out of his mind due to alcoholism, he did come home every night, which was a big difference in my life. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so I did get good grades and went to San Jose State and uh, took a sociology uh, became uh, yeah sociology was my major, so I got a you know, sociology degree out from San Jose State. So. I was woke. I was uh, so here, here's 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 my the trajectory of my life, just so people understand. Uh, so I was born in abject poverty, steeped in you know leftist liberalism, progressivism, a definite urban dweller, doing all of the urban type inner city you know black kid type stuff. And um, and so, but fortunately, I never never got caught, never got a record, but I, I did some. I was oh man, I was I was a uh, terror uh, growing up. But anyway, um, but by God's grace, uh, you know, got out of San Jose State with a sociology degree, so I understand leftist progressivism to the T. Got married, and then the Lord really spoke to my wife and I about really living the Word of God and not making, not really cutting corners or anything like that. And um, that was fine until He really pointed out this area of civic engagement. Uh, my wife being from inner city Detroit and me from inner city San Francisco, uh, we never looked at that issue, we took a look at it and realized that we had been voting counter to what really makes a difference in our community and what really makes a difference to God's heart. So nobody came to me and said, hey, you need to be conservative. You need to think different. No, none of that. We had none of it. And uh we just took a look at the platforms. We took a look at what uh, you know, what the various uh, parties stood for, and started to uh, our civic engagement uh, started to take that seriously and weigh that with the Word of God as our as our compass and source. And so uh, that that really began to change, uh, you know, our conversations and, and and our trajectory in life. And you know, God's been using and elevating us. And so that was that was that. Um, then I, you know. 
when you when you consider what happened in 2020 with George Floyd riots and all of yes, that. Yes, yeah. Um, so we fast forward to that. And um, so what was troubling, though, as an observer of that was we saw so many people uh, who were grieving and suffering and all of that, but yet uh, churches really didn't have an active role other than encouraging people to go out with Black Lives Matter and just kind of participate with them. Mm-hmm. So we thought this is peculiar because Black Lives Matter was, uh, you know, creating violence and, and vitriol and chaos in our communities, burning black and brown businesses down and just yucking it up with uh, Antifa as they threw Molotov cocktails in these black and brown businesses. And um, so it was just a peculiar time. We said, look, um, uh, when these pastors you know, go to the BLM website, realize that BLM doesn't stand for anything that is righteous, faithful, and just, um, that they're going to want a righteous, faithful, and just alternative. So that's why we started Every Black Life Matters. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you think about it, um, you know, you can't you can't stand before anybody and say Black Lives Matter unless you fundamentally believe that every single Black life matters. So we took it a, a level deeper um, to mean something deeper. And uh, fundamentally, what that what that has meant is um, uh, people when they when they ask our uh, followers and friends and that uh, do Black Lives Matter and try to get you to bark, roll over, kiss the boots, and all the other craziness that we've seen. Uh, now you could stand up straight faced and 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 point directly back at them and say, "Look, to me and my family, every single Black life matters." Uh, now, does every single black life matters to you? Now, here's here's the thing. Uh, BLMers are anti-life in the sense that they're pro-abort. They're a pro-abort organization. Yes. So when you start with every single black life and you, and you describe that that means from conception to the grave, and then every phase of black life, not just police, this whole police brutality narrative, but every phase of black life matters, then, um, then you'll see them crumble. You know, their, their, their lips start to quiver, and they don't know what to do with that. And so uh, so our strategy was to give people, especially people of faith, the opportunity to stand up for righteousness, justice, and faithfulness uh, without caving to the mob. So one last thing about that. Some people have said, look, why, why did you still have to keep anything in the nomenclature of BLM, and why couldn't you have just, uh, you know, started an alternative without— you know, and, and I have to help them to understand, look, um, I understand what you're trying to say. You're trying to say that uh, our name infers partiality, but it doesn't. It actually is confirming equality. Mm-hmm. And so I get people looking like, uh, please explain that to me. So here's the deal. Here's the deal. Um, when Margaret Sanger said, we don't want the word to get out, but we want to fully exterminate the Negro population. Now, Margaret Sanger, of course, the founder of Planned Parenthood. Yes. She didn't say the Negro and the Asians or the Negro and Hispanic or the Negro and Cubans or the Negro and She said, I want to kill some blacks. And that's why I'm starting Planned Parenthood. So that's that, that's fundamentally what she said. And uh, so, so if you're an all lives matter, every life matter person, um, all we're saying is that we're saying the exact same thing because, of course, if you were that kind of a person, you wouldn't stand for any strategic genocide of any organization because you believe all lives matter. Um, and, and also what we're saying is the 
the birth rates of the black community compared to every other ethnicity is significantly less. less. And so we're just bringing we're bringing this this sort of moniker to the forefront because it should really read every black life matters T O O two, and um, and so that's the message is every black life matters. So in other words, we just want to be born at the same rate that every other ethnicity is. We don't like being targeted for for genocide. We don't like Planned Parenthood strategically setting up their abortuaries in our community and going after killing off blacks, which they've continued to do. Mm-hmm. So, um, so, so, so that's the message. It's a message of equality. Uh, we're just saying every life matters. So since every life matters, we have to focus in on black life and make sure that blacks can be born at the same rate as all other lives. Wow. That is a big goal. And, you know, so many people, I think, we're, are just— Maybe not aware, Kevin, of of uh, Mar- of Margaret Sanger's intentions, uh, but they're so completely well documented that uh, it should wake us up. It should, you know, we hear so much about racism in today's world. We hear so much about the institutional nature of that racism, and whether we are systemic in in our prejudice. And and that's been the line that that we've been hearing since 2020, especially mm-hmm. that. And then this uh, kind of the onset or maybe the unveiling of uh, it, it's not brand new, but the CRT teaching movement ha- mm-hmm. has been infiltrating our school systems. But I believe that a lot of Americans, in some ways, we've been like the ostrich with our head in the in the sand. We're just not aware as aware as we should be. What, of what's going on out there. Would you agree with that? Absolutely agree. I think ignorance is, is bliss for a lot of people, and it's especially bliss for people in the woke movement, people who self-identify as being woke. Here's the, here's, here's the reality, um, and this is what I expose in my upcoming book called Woked Up. Woked Up. Um, yeah, and the subtitle is Finally Laying an Axe to the Taproot of white supremacy and racism in America. Uh, so, uh, but but I don't want to digress too far there. I know we'll get there ultimately. But here, here's the thing. Um, people who are woke, corporations and individuals, um, they summarily dismiss the, tra- the real tragedies happening within the black community. Fundamentally, they completely dismiss and uh, purposely, in my opinion, ignore the travesty of, of abortion, and it's targeted. Uh, it's being targeted at the black community. Mm-hmm. Now, there's enough evidence uh, that clearly points this out, but yet every progressive leftist I've met who would identify as being woke, they're absolutely pro-abort. And my thing to them is, well, wait a minute. Here is a literal racist, targeted, black genocide scheme, and you fully support it. How, you know, help me with this. Mm-hmm. And uh, they sort of sully away at that point because there, there is no justification for that. There is no justification. Do you think that they are just looking at the truth about what's going on and then uh, making a decision to look the other way? Or 
are do they believe that it's going on or maybe disbelieve that it's going on and then holding up for some ideal that doesn't exist which of those two is closer um i i, I think the second um uh, you know the whole woke thing is built on all false narratives okay mm. it's built on marxism uh, if anybody knows anything about Karl Marx or Marxism, you would know that this is pure demonism. This is not, you know, I know we have a lot of pastors that sort of flirt with socialism and this and that. Um, I go around the country and I tell pastors all the time, look, it's demonic. And then I proceed to give them facts and figures as to why. But there is no equivocation with socialism, Marxism, communism. It is purely demonic evil. There's nothing – you can't even you know, sort of slightly justify it uh, if you're a person of faith. It, it's completely – it's so undeniably demonic that I don't even have words for it. Uh, you I know, know, when I talk to yeah. it, it's like, are you kidding me? Come on. So anyway, um, uh, but the entire woke movement is undergirded. It's founded in that. And um, critical race theory, of course, is. Um, and social justice is. And uh, liberation theology and black liberation theology, all of James Cone's work is, mm-hmm. is purely demonic. Now, uh, that, should, that should, you know, really cause us a lot of consternation because we know and love a lot of people. Some of them are in a family. Some of them are just uh, community members and neighbors that are completely um, uh, seduced by these, you know, sort of demonic thoughts and theories. And uh, it just helps us to know that we have a lot of work to do, a lot of prayer to do for, for you know, family members and friends that are smitten by Marxism. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, uh, it, it's, it's going to be the thing that's going to wreck their soul ultimately. And it, so we have a lot of work to do. Yeah, we certainly do. Uh, one question about that. Why is it, Kevin, that so many people who are purporting uh, things like CRT, who are purporting, even uh, the progressive left's, uh, I, you could say, their declared intentions, and they continue to back it. Uh, how can they do that when they look at the, the truth, when they look at the fruit of what what is happening because of this wokeness? How, why is it that so many people stay on that side? Why aren't they rebelling? Well, so it's it's compelling, it's seductive, it's it's sort of a mob uh, mentality. Everybody wants to be sort of relevant. Um, you know, people have positive ideas about progressivism. Uh, so all of this sort of plays into an overall overarching narrative that says, "Look, uh, I'm 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 cool. You know, I'm pro- I'm progressive. I'm I'm with it. I understand." Um, and, and so they adopt that individually without knowing really what's behind it or what's underneath mm-hmm. it. Uh, what this book is that, that I've just finished and in, in the process of getting published, um, it, it, it provides the history. It provides footnotes. It provides exact quotes. Um, and it helps us to then bring along these communities of others that we love and know and and right now we're on the outs with because they can't understand us and we don't really understand them. But it gives us now a frame that we can go to them and say, look, I love you. God loves you. And we have to do better. Can we at least read this book together? Mm-hmm. And 
but we have to, we, we, you know, so we have to become more competent in our own talking points because a lot of us are ignorant as well. You have some well-meaning uh, pastors out there who we've esteemed in the past as being modern-day theologians. You know, you have the Kellers, the Beth Moore, Beth Moore you have Piper, and you have David Platt, and so many others who who are sort of progressive wokesters now in the pulpit. Mm. And and these people, I think that they may be well-meaning, but, you know, we we need to have our facts so we can go to these men and women of God and, 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 and just break it down to them so they could see very clearly where the demonism starts and where their their their, their heart and their soul is, is right now in conflict with the Word of God. Mm-hmm. But a lot of us don't feel equipped to do that at this point because we don't know enough about what does it mean to be woke? What does that really mean? How is that played out? Um, and, and so we're and, and we don't we haven't studied history enough to know really what is what's the problem with Darwin or Marx or uh, you know Margaret Sanger or any of these other folks. And so uh, this 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 book is going to be a tremendous resource. And helping us to understand these things. Uh, it sounds like it will indeed. Uh, we've got just enough time in this segment. If you could address this, we've got two minutes. Uh, tell me about what, actually one minute. Uh, so I'm not even sure I want to get in there, uh, but I am going to do it. Tell me what <laughs> you think about the issue of people who are, you know, I'm, I'm just distracted by that. I'm going to cut that, and I'm going to save my question for the next segment. So let me just go ahead and continue. I'll edit all of that out. With me today on the line is Kevin McGarry. Uh, Every Black Life Matters. Kevin is a, a speaker. He is uh, an author. And this new book that's coming out, Woked Up, sounds like it is going to wake us up. And that's what I'm praying it will. I'll be back with Kevin in a moment. This is Afternoons with Mike right here on The Shepherd. On the line with me today is Kevin McGarry, an author and a speaker, uh, tr- a true person who is, I believe, able to put his finger on the pulse of what's going on in this culture. And and he is making sense uh, in a radical way, in a growing exponential way to a lot of people. And the book that is coming out is going to be a grand resource for every American I believe every American pastor needs to read it. It's called Woked Up. And Kevin, you're, uh, I'd, I'd like to th- toss this question to you. We were hitting on some of these issues that are tied to Marxism. And, and you mentioned the fact that it's just like an all-out demonic uh, manifestation that is going on in the name of Marxism. Uh, one of the things that always shocks me and in the break, you kind of mentioned the reasons why it is that way. But even people like the uber wealthy, like the Gates of this world, the Soros of this world, uh, they're putting forward these massive amounts of dollars. And then you have the Hollywood crowd that are also independently wealthy. They're standing up and putting their name and their well-loved uh, likenesses uh, out there for some of these same causes when the the truth of it is it's killing the average american it's killing babies it's basically taking freedoms away from us all i think a lot of people are confused as to how that's going on what do you see as the answer for that 
Yeah, so the reason why it's happening is we have a lot of people that are wholly smitten and compelled by globalism. Uh, we saw it in the Bush years, uh, father and son, um, and it's, it's, it's really proliferated across the mm. parties. So it's a uniparty effort. Um, um, we see that it's the elitist, uh, it's the you know, billionaires and trillionaires in the world. Um, and, and they have in mind that if they could, you know, do a great reset, if they can push us in the one world government, which of course is all in, in revelation as well. Sure. Um, so we, we know what's coming and we know it's going to ultimately happen. We don't know when, but it's, you know, it's, they're, they're pushing us right now to go that direction. Don't know how successful they'll be in the short term, but, you know, we'll see. We'll see what the Lord has for us. But anyway. Bottom line is is that a lot of these people are are compelled by uh, the demonic realm, and um, you know these are not people that uh, you know love and support uh, freedoms and liberties and, and righteousness of, of all you know men in all communities across the world. These are people that would rather depopulate the world, get rid of the plebes. Uh, depopulate us either by you know by viruses or vaccines, and I'm not speaking out of turn. That's this right. Is what Bill Gates himself said. He said it. So I'm not you know this is just a quote. It's not a conspiracy um, theory here. No, it's not. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Klaus Schwab and all of these folks when they get together, um, they are very much um, looking for a future where they can depopulate the world. Get rid of so many, you know, different people. Have a planned economy for the entire planet, uh, and really submit everybody under a one-world communistic kind of rule. Um, and and so that's that's really where they're pushing us towards. So the reason why so many are and they're reluctant or hesitant or denying the what their real intentions are is because they themselves they're protected. They, when they go this direction, they have enough money, power, influence, um, political clout that they and their families are, are well suited for being a part of this this next world order. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they don't really care about what happens to, you know, those uh, us plebes that are in the middle states in the United States and and uh, us plebes that are in other parts of Europe and, and, and Canada and that they would much rather depopulate us anyway and uh, just move on with with, with the, sort of their agenda. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's an evil cabal. It's it's evil uh, intentions, and it's demonically inspired. Uh, I wish it were different, but that's, that's the fact. It is, and I think you're dead on right about all of that. And I think one of the things that you said that really is the ultimate answer all is that they purely don't care. I mean, the fact right. that so many people are, are struggling right now, uh, even with the high inflation that's going on, uh, it came out uh, this past weekend that gas has officially, under the Biden administration, it's officially doubled, but they don't yes. care. And, they and literally don't care. I actually wrote a scathing article about a month or two ago, and it was it was calling out pastors and progressive leftists um, who were always uh, coming against our, our past president and saying, look, you don't care about the poor, this, that. Well, he did more for the poor than any president in modern history. 
they were still coming out and trying to try him and castigate him for not doing enough. Whereas now, when we have uh, runaway inflation, gas prices that are doubling, food prices literally that are doubling, and, and my thing is, look, in my particular community, let's just talk about the black community. We have a lot of people that are on fixed income, mm-hmm. uh, especially the elderly. What are they to do when, when, when literally it costs them double to live yep. practically overnight? This happened in the past 9 to 11 months. Yes. And, and my thing is, why are they not? you know, vocalizing and castigating and having a death-pounding session in the White House with this president. And yeah. basically what I confirm is that these, these, these people are frauds. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's always been about a political agenda for them. It's not about principle. Because if it were about principle, they would hold this, this regime in the White House fully accountable for what's happening right mm-hmm. now. Right, And there would be so many articles, so many messages in our pulpit that would be castigating this guy, but nothing. nothing. Yep. Everybody's quiet. Well, most of everything that we're going through today was set on day one of Biden's administration. Uh, yes. that, most of it was set when the, the pipeline was stopped and these treaties were reversed and directions, economic policies were just struck away at the stroke of a pen in day one, it, it like 40 some odd executive orders go into effect and it didn't take long. It's like you said, in the last nine to 11 months, uh, it didn't take long for these things to completely unravel. And that's what's happening right now. And you mentioned the, the black community. And here's something that I'm wondering for years, uh, these that are, are purporting this wokeness, have been counting on the the black population in large cities like Philadelphia and like New York. Uh, they've been counting on them to be in their back pocket politically. Are, are you seeing not a wokeness, but an awakening in the black communities when it comes to waking up to what's going on? Uh, by and large, I see that leaders in the black community, leaders of the Democrat Party, leader of the leaders of the progressive left, uh, and the, their media cohorts are still obscuring the truth. They are not telling the American people what's going on. Mm. And their primetime newscasts, and they're, they're still trying to cover for this, you know, the guy in the White House. And so, um, you know, the truth is very, very hard to come, to, to come by these days. Now, over the past couple of weeks, we've seen a couple of outlets really sort of trying to highlight what's going on. But no, there is not a big awakening at the at the present time. No, mm. there's not. Mm. And, and and we have a lot of black and and white pastors in our pulpits that could play a role, but are silent. This to me is inexcusable. I agree. I agree. Our churches are suffering. We have elderly in our churches. We have people in our community that are suffering horribly. And we have people in the pulpit just pretending they're, they're whistling Dixie. Mm-hmm. What is this? If, if this happened under the past administration, you better believe that we wouldn't. Oh, my goodness. It would, it would have been crazy yep. with what would have been coming out on all circles, including our pulpits. But now, no, no, nothing. Well, And, and, and so this is, this is complicit. 
I see, by and large, the church being complicit with evil agendas, and there is not an awakening, but we need it. God's going to help us. This book hopefully will help us, uh, and other books and other great people are doing what we can, but come on, we've, we've got to do much better than what we have right now. Yeah, I think we do. I think there's got to be that kind of an awakening, and if not right now, I'm praying that this year we'll see some headway in this. And do you, um, Kevin, I'd love your thoughts on this. Are you one that would believe that we could see substantial change uh, this coming November in the elections? Do you believe that that will happen? I I believe that we are in a good shape to make that happen. Uh, My only hesitancy is in critical areas where they're still going to rely on proven fraudulent systems uh, tactics, techniques, um, and, and so I don't know how how much influence we'll have after November. I think we will uh, ultimately see a big sea change, but it won't be what it could have been if we actually had legitimate elections everywhere in the land. I don't. I can t- I can tell you for a fact that we do not have legitimate elections devoid of fraud everywhere in the country. We just do not. Yeah, there's so, a lot of people. So we have a lot of work to do uh, there as well. But yeah, no, we'll see a, a sea change this, this November. But it won't be as big as it could be or should be. Mm. And maybe it would uh, be safe to say that were these fraudulent practices and even the taking advantage of uh, just really breaking laws that, that had to do with voting and voting principles and, and protocol uh, it, it made a big difference, even potentially in the last election, and that's what oh, a lot yeah, of people. No doubt about it. That's what no a lot of people are, are fearful that will we ever see a legitimate election again? I mean, that's I'm I'm still hearing that question asked uh, from a lot of my uh, listeners, as well as a, a lot of the guests that are on this uh, this program. They would believe that we've got to wake up. We got to realize that what you're saying is the truth. This is a demonic attack, and we know, you know, there's, there's a side of this is true. We know that ultimately the Bible talks about all of this. It's, it's really hard to think that we could be coming down to the actual execution of all of the end-time events that we've heard preached all of these years. Uh, it, it's, just, it's just difficult, and I think the fight that we have to have is to fight for freedoms as long as we can fight for freedoms, as long as it is today. I believe that's our battleground, and I know that's what you're doing, right? Absolutely, including the Second Amendment. The Second Amendment is Mm non-negotiable. It's irrevocable. Now, here's the reason why. Those are natural rights, not granted to us by this government. Natural rights are granted to us by God. God gives every man and woman the ability innately for survival, and that means that we have the ability to protect ourselves, whatever it was. Even back in the day, in ancient times, the people used rocks, they used spears, they used whatever they did. And, and God gives us the uh, sovereignty the, over our own bodies and the ability to survive. It's our responsibility to make that happen, whatever tools we have, whatever mechanisms. So uh, the, the, the Constitution and the Bill of Rights in particular we're establishing that our government will uh, will 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 provide 
protection for our natural rights. These are not rights granted by the government. These are rights granted by God that our government uh, guaranteed us that they would protect. Yeah, so, right. that, and what I help a lot of people also understand, because I do get this question, well, what do you think about, you know, can't we just modify it and uh, can't we just take away, you know, and I, I tell people, look, the thing that kept those ex-slaves, those former slaves free is that Second Amendment. So a lot of people forget about history. Here's what happened. We went through the Civil War. A lot of blacks actually fought in the Civil War. After that war was over, for those that survived and came home, they were able to keep their firearms. For those who were able to keep their firearms, when the KKK, the Democrat uh, militia, the KKK, uh, that they stood up in order to intimidate and try to re-enslave blacks. Um, when they came to the doorstep or the front lawn of those blacks who had arms, guess what? They were met with force. Mm -hmm. and, and, and so that's what ultimately saved uh, former slaves from being re-enslaved, is the ability for them, for, for them to possess firearms. The Second Amendment was critical keeping to setting and then keeping men free it's really going to so be now we're saying yeah. that these because of the actions of demented evil uh uh you know supremacist in, in in the one case but we have all kinds of demented actors all over the country that have illegal firearms mostly um we're saying because of their actions you're going to come to law-abiding citizens and take our uh, and try to amend our rights how does that make sense? Mm -hmm. It doesn't even make sense. Oh, I'm praying the, the, that people that are kind of the watchdogs and maybe those that are still part of the of the Democratic Party will not uh, just lay down and lay their vote at the feet of these progressive desires to do all of that because it uh, it it just couldn't be more important. They they cannot take away rights that God and you know our founders. We talk about all the time about about our country, but uh, it, it's clear that they're wanting to revise what our country is and what our country yeah. stands for and take away our rights that our founders gave us. That's right. That's right. And uh, this is a time where we as, as people of faith have to be praying and we and we have to encourage our uh, legislators and our uh, those in authority that we put in authority to uh Stand firm. This is this is a bridge too far. This is not negotiable, um, and uh, they need to you know grow the spine, stop being mealy mouth, stand firm for the you know law abiding American citizen, and um, you know and, and and do the right thing. I'm talking today to Kevin McGarry. I'll be back with him for one more segment. Don't go away. This is afternoons with Mike, and you're on the Shepherd. I've so enjoyed my chat so far with Kevin McGarry, and like it is with people like Kevin, uh, these things, uh, the time just seems to buzz by. Here we are already in segment three, but Kevin McGarry is a, a, a just, in my mind, a national treasure. We've got to realize that God is using this man in a mighty way uh, to call attention to a, a, a real fight. It's a fight that we've all got to fight. Whether we're ready for it or not, it doesn't matter. That fight is at our doorstep, and to ignore it is to do the greatest of damage 
and uh, irrepair to our country. Our country's in bad shape, and, and I'm grateful that we have got guys like Kevin who's saying, hey, it's time to wake up. And your new book, Woked Up, oh my goodness, it's doing just that. It's putting the spotlight on what we're really talking about here and this progressive left's attempts to take over this country. So thank you for that, Kevin. Well, thank you again, Mike. Uh, again, it's it's been a real honor and, and privilege in my mind to, to be here and your, your, your kind words. I appreciate. Uh, yeah, so I, you know, this book really came about because we've seen so many of these wokesters, I like to call them, um, you know, really accusing, castigating, demonizing, condemning, uh, guilting, uh, doxing, um, you know, all kinds of really horrible tactics that they've used against people who just happen to have a different opinion. Uh, and, and right now, if you dissent from, you know, sort of the the standard, uh, you know, mind frame of, of your typical progressive uh, leftist, uh, then you're you're castigated as a white supremacist mm-hmm. and uh, and a racist. And so I, I thought, well, this is interesting. Um, I, it, it, it seems to me that this deserves a real uh, concerted look at what really makes up the woke movement. Um, and, and, and why it's so pervasive, why is it gaining so much steam and momentum, not just here in America, but around the world. And so I started this quest, and I really wanted to get to the root. So the subtopic of the title of the book, so it's called Woked Up, but the subheading is finally laying an axe to the taproot of white supremacy and racism in America. Now, when I gave that whole title to my wife, she says, well, uh, that doesn't make sense. A taproot is the main artery that feeds a plant, a tree. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so you would have to somehow identify a single entity that's responsible for racism and white, white supremacy. And that's impossible. Everybody knows that the fall of man uh, you know, people have been partial and racist and 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 supremacist in their own ethnicity or whatever. And so how would you do that? And I said, there's one person. And she said, that that doesn't make sense. How could you say it's one? I said, there's one person. Modern day white supremacy and racism comes down, Mike, and this may be surprising you even, to one person. One person that unleashed modern-day racism and white supremacy is Charles Robert Darwin. Wow. Now, yes, yes, yes. Quantifiable and beyond a doubt. That's what this book is. It's beyond a doubt. Okay. So here's the the reason why. Here's the reason why. Because some people would listen to that and say, uh, excuse me? Yes. Yes. Hold me to it. Hold me to proving it. I'll prove it to you here in just two minutes. Here's the deal. We had a German naturalist, anthropologist, who actually classified, the first scientist to classify races. Before that time, we had tribes and we had ethnicities that were recognized. We had one person that came up in the 1700s. His name was Johann Friedrich Blumenbach. Now, what Blumenbach did is he says, look, he took a look at geographies, mostly large continents. And he said, okay, Caucasians are those who come from Europe. He says, uh, you know, those who are coming from 
uh, Asia Minor and North America, parts of North America, uh, you know, parts of East Asia, let's say, Central Asia, East Asia. Those are Mongolian. Mm-hmm. Then he said those come from sub-Saharan Africa or uh, Ethiopian. Uh, and then he says, you know, basically North American, South America is the American race. So he had five races. Uh, I'm not going to go too deep into it, but he had five races. Okay. So he had those five classifications. But here is the most telling thing about his work. Again, this was before Darwin was born. This was in the late 1700s, 1770 approximately. Blumenbach says, look, um, I've done the classification of races, and I can tell you that there is no distinction. There is no biological, uh, cognitive, or intellectual distinction between blacks. Blacks are not inferior to any other races in any of these regards. He affirmed it. He did, as a scientist. Okay. So then we had Darwin. Darwin was born in 1818, and he starts to write his books. Now, Darwin, as many of Darwin apologists that are out there, Here's the deal. He knew of Blumenbach's work. But his first book was titled um, Natural Selection mm-hmm. for the Preservation of Most Favored Races. And his second book, his subsequent one, The Descent of Man, he goes into detail what that means. He says, look, Aryans and whites are supreme. We have a supreme genealogy is what Darwin asserted. And he says blacks and aborigines, because he did a lot of work in New Zealand and Australia, uh, they're synonymous with apes, gorillas, and savages. Mm. This is Darwin's work, his exact quotes. Wow. And so he made the distinction, that one distinction, first of all, it, 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 it distinguished white supremacy. That's where it comes from, folks. Darwin gave scientific justification for white supremacy, the first time it ever happened in humankind. Mm -hmm. Now, it really helped the slave owners in the mid-1800s when he started to produce his documents because they said, aha, see, see, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, what we're doing to blacks is perfectly okay, perfectly okay. So when Dred Scott came up, uh, that decision, they looked at Darwin's work. When, when um, you know, Plessy versus Ferguson, uh, uh, Jim Crow, all of that, they said, hey, no, no, we're perfectly fine. It's scientifically justified. These people are subhuman. Mm. We don't need to treat them any different kind of way. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. This is the crux of racism and white supremacy. It started in its modern-day context from a scientific justification, quote-unquote, started. Yeah, and, and they had the ability, he would have had uh, the ability to look back at the science, like you said earlier from Lumenbach's uh, yep. finding, and they did not follow the science. They did, he not. did not follow the science. He purposely did this. So we can't say, well, maybe he didn't hear of Lumenbach. No, no, no. Lumenbach was the, was the guy who actually pioneered the distinction racist, quote unquote, R A C E S, racist. Blumenbach was the first naturalist who had done this. Darwin, as you know, was a naturalist. So obviously he's going to follow the predecessors, all the work and all that. But he says, no, no, we're going to fine-tune our race classification. It's going to be based on immutable characteristics like the amount of melanin in skin. Mm-hmm. We're going to castigate blacks. We're going to make sure that people know that they're subhuman and close to gorillas. 
they're, they're synonymous with gorillas in the ape life. Um, this was Darwin. And now, now if his evils didn't stop there. Let me tell you one more thing, and I know we're getting late on time, so I'll, I'll try to fast. You, everybody should, must get this book because this gives you footnotes, quotes, everything you need to understand about this stuff. Okay, so what, he and his cousin, so Darwin and his first cousin, Francis Galton, literally started eugenics. Now, some people will say, "Well, I don't even know what that means." Here's what eugenics is: It says, "Look, we white supremacists." We need to be able to protect our race. So we want to have the ability to fully justify exterminating all other races. Mm. This, so eugenics, when, they, when he and Francis Galton, who are the fathers of eugenics, when they came out with the, with the term, eugenics literally is, is defined well-born. So they want to protect the well-born, the whites, and therefore summarily exterminate all other ethnicities. Mm-hmm. So because they did this, this is what happened. Hitler, when Hitler was doing what he was doing to the Jews, exterminating genocide to the Jews, um, he used and relied upon Darwin's work almost exclusively. I connect those dots in this book. Uh, Pol Pot, Darwin, used Darwin. Uh, Mao, used Darwin. Um, uh, Kosakov, used Darwin. Uh, Lenin, Stalin, all of them use Darwin. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, man. Darwin, Darwin was the guy he was who the not tap only root. created, yeah. not only, absolutely, not only created racism and white supremacy, but created genocide and eugenics. Eugenics, by the way, in case your 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 listeners are not connecting the dots, eugenics is what we do today with abortion. Mm-hmm. Everybody who is pro, pro-abortion today is literally, by definition, a racist. Wow. Uh, now, now, for some, that may be a bra- I'm just telling you the actual definition. Now, some of them are ignorant racists because they don't know the background that I'm giving you right now. Mm-hmm. But the fact is, is we'll be able to give them the facts and the truth. And if they hold on to their ideology, because, th- again, eugenics was specifically started to exterminate all other races. That's mm. why it was started. Yep. That's racism, uh, you know, par excellence. It's just you know? not uh, the d- definition that a lot of people are getting today. They're That's not, right. They're, they're not, not hearing the truth. They're not hearing the truth. And so this is a wake-up call. This 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 book it wakes everybody up. It helps everybody understand. Look, if you're in the woke movement, at the end of this book, you'll understand that you'll have to publicly denounce and renounce Darwin and Marx. Marx and Engels were Darwin's proteges, mm-hmm. and they carried forth Darwin's work and then pressed the accelerator. So I go through all of that. Can't wait Both for this. Darwin and Marx were grotesque racists. I uh, use their own. Uh, you know their own terms, their own quotes. You'll be able to see it. They were grotesquely racist. Now you mentioned that so, it's anyway. in production right now. When will it actually come out? I'm expecting it to hit the streets by July. Wonderful, a month away. So, Kevin McGarry, and the name of the book is Woked Up. And uh, you know, one thing I learned about from Indiana, I learned from my parents what a taproot was, and they taught me an important lesson. You just can't easily pull out a taproot. It takes right. often a lot of extra effort 
It takes a lot of digging. It takes a lot of releasing of the soil all around it. It's not going to be an easy effort to remove a taproot. But we need That's to right. we need to take the time to do that. And our country is at stake if we don't. It's absolutely. So let's do this together. Please come to our website, everyblm.com. Please join us as a partner, as a friend. I mean, I am going to release some, uh, the book to my partners uh, who are on our partner site uh, early. So you get an early release of it uh, via PDF. But um, uh, there's all kinds of exclusive um, opportunities also when you become a partner. But even at that, just go to the website, uh, visit us, uh, support us, pray for us, um, because we're we're fighting the fight. We're at the tip of the spear on all of this stuff. We do anti-racism or anti-CRT training, anti-black liberation theology and social justice type training for, for people of faith. So uh, we're in the fight and we're at the we're at the forefront and we, we love it because the Lord is using us mightily. Yes, he is. So, Kevin McGarry, thank you for being with me today. Thank you so much for having me, Mike. It's a pleasure. I'll come back and visit you anytime, brother. Oh, God bless man. You. God bless you, brother, and we'll take you up on that. Kevin McGarry, my guest today on Afternoons with Mike, and we'll see you next time right here on The Shepherd.